Good morning, church. If it is your first Sunday with us, or you haven't met me yet, or you just forgot my name, I'm Trevor. I'm the next-gen guy here. I'm glad that you're here this morning. I was going to print off my sermon, and I didn't get a chance to get it printed off. I ran out of ink, so I got my computer up here for my notes this morning. So if there's any technical difficulties, just bear with me. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it never happens. (laughs) When I was 17 years old, I went to a youth conference called CIY Move with my youth group. And one evening, the speaker gave us these words, and I haven't forgotten them up to this point in my life. He said, you're either going into a storm, or you're in the middle of one, or you're on your way out of one. And what struck me at that point in my teenage life, and what continues to strike me uh, as I get older, is that the words become more true. Life in of itself is a storm. It can be a series of small gales back to back to back. It can be one giant storm that is turbulent and wrecking, whether it's dealing with personal loss, uh, financial struggle, our sense of worth. Life is a storm. In our text today, we're going to see the disciples as they encounter a storm, quite literally, and we see their reaction to their peril as well as their reaction to uh, Jesus, and we see his response to them. So if you turn in your Bibles, pull out your smartphones, iPads, and turn to the book of John chapter 6, that's where we're going to be this morning. To recap a little bit here, we're in our series called Ripple Effect. Our first week, we saw Jesus and his first miracle, John chapter 2, the water being turned to wine. Second week, we had John chapter 5, Jesus healing the lame man at the pool. This week, we are in John chapter 6. So we'll pick it up in verse 16 and go through verse 21. John chapter 6, 16 through 21. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough, and because a strong wind was blowing, and when they had rowed about three or four miles, Jesus was seen walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Our story today um, comes right after the account of the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus fed 5,000 men, not counting all the women and children that were most likely present. They were able to get sustenance from not only the food that he gave them, but also the words that he spoke into their lives. And this is probably the biggest crowd that Jesus has spoken to up to this point in his ministry, and probably the biggest one that he does speak to um, before his impending crucifixion. So following this miracle... Seeing that Jesus is so great, um, they try to make him their king. You see, they they knew there was a Messiah coming, but they had things switched a little bit. They thought this Messiah was going to be a political one. They, They had assumed that once the Messiah came, that they would get rid of the Roman rule and hand it back to God's rightful people, the Jews. However, this was not to be the case, and Jesus, seeing that they are going to take him by force and make him their king, retreats to the mountains to pray. He needed to regroup. He needed to recenter through conversation with the Father, and he sends the disciples down to uh, the boat to head towards Capernaum. And, well, they, they, were, 
we see from the, the other Gospels, Matthew and Mark, that they were a little, I don't know, skeptical at first. Like, okay, why do we have to leave? He's like, no, no, go down to the boat. I'll meet you guys later. Um, he didn't want their minds to get affected with the thinking um, from the crowd. So they're in the boat, and they are on their way, and they run into quite the storm. The lake they were on, or rather the Sea of Galilee, was famous for these types of storms. It would just come in and, well, they were afraid. And we shouldn't take this lightly because, well, some of these men were fishermen and others had professions where they were on the sea quite a bit. So the fact that they are afraid about this storm kind of says something. They're terrified and they're rowing and they're rowing and they are afraid and it is dark. We see in our text that it says it was now dark. We learn in the other two Gospels, it tells us that it was the fourth watch. And the fourth watch fell between three and six in the morning. So it kind of goes with this thought of that it's always darkest before the dawn. But then Jesus shows up. They think all is lost, and then they see Jesus walking across towards them, and you think that they would be happy. You think that they would recognize who it is, you know, this person that they've been living and traveling with the last little bit. But they react exactly opposite of how you think they might. We might be, oh, Jesus, thank you so much for showing up. I was a little worried there for a second. thought I might go down with the ship. So glad you're here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That might be the, the way we would think it would happen. They, on the other hand, um, well... Frankly, their, their sense of reason is at an all-time low, so they freak out. Uh, they start screaming. We're told in, in uh, the other Gospels that they thought it was a ghost. They, they think they see a ghost going across the waves towards them, so they just start weeping and wailing. They're like, oh, no. <sighs> and the, the word to describe... the the screams of the disciples here is the same word that is used to describe the screams of the demoniacs in Mark, and they're just going crazy with fear right now. But then they hear the words, it is I. Or if we want to translate it a little more correctly, I am. I am, so do not be afraid. Do not continue in your fear, for I am is with you. It's a Greek imperative here. They have to stop what they're doing and do something else. This is probably the most blatant hint that Jesus gives of his divinity as he kind of alludes to Moses encountering God in the burning bush. I am is with you. Mark adds here that the disciples were amazed. Jesus walking on the water towards them. Their hearts had been hardened which seems a little bit off. They had just seen him feed over 5,000 people, yet they were still unbelieving. But once they realize who it is, they see Jesus as he comes near the boat. They invite him and receive him into the boat, and immediately the storm is calm, and they're where they need to be. I am was with them, and the disciples get a glimpse into just who it is they are dealing with. And we can throw a lot of stones at the disciples for being unbelieving in this situation, but how many of us have done the exact same thing when we encounter the storms of life? Where we have seen how God has, has cared for us, taken care of us in the past, and yet we still act like he isn't there as we walk through these tough times. 
I myself <laughs> am guilty of this one, seeing as how I reacted to uh, God directing to me to my first ministry job. Uh, I graduated Bible college in May of 2017, and I was without a job for the better part of seven months, and boy, was I frustrated. I didn't like how God was doing things. I wasn't sure how he was doing it, why he was doing it this way, but I wasn't happy with it. I hadn't looked to how he had directed me and cared for me in the past and getting me to college and how he had grown me through that experience. I hadn't looked to the displays of his power and providence that he had shown me, which caused me to not appreciate how he had worked things in my coming to be with you all here. In the middle of my storm, I did not look to him, even though he was beside me the whole time. And how many of us do this again and again? And again, how many of us walk into a storm and we give God a clean slate? Like, all right, I got this thing going here and you better pull through for me, mister. Like, I've, I've had a lot of these conversations with God, not quite as candid as this, but it's the wrong attitude to have. If our hope is where we claim it is, our hope is in the I am. I am who walked across the waves to encounter the disciples where they were. Listen to me, church. The same Jesus who saved the disciples is the same Jesus who saves us and continues to do so. Many times our actions without the, without the Lord are futile. They're largely tiring. We're like the disciples. We're just trying our hardest to work against the contrary winds of life because in the mystery of this, we are helpless. We need help from beyond ourselves. And all we need to do is invite Jesus into our storm. We can focus on serving a Jesus who is kind and sweet and laid back, which he is all of those things, but we also forget that he is great. He is powerful. He is tremendous. I mean, let's, let's crack open our Bibles here. Jesus' resume, John chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus was in the beginning with God. He helps in creation. Creation is held together by his being. In him we find life. Jesus, part of our trinity. He's been around since day one. He was there for the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden. He was there for the liberation of his people Israel in the book of Exodus. He was there for the rise and fall of empires, whether it's Roman or Babylonian or whoever. He was there. He was there for the creation of the world and he holds it together. And this sounds oddly familiar to another passage of scripture. So let's flip over to Colossians 1 here, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. We are told he's the image of God. He it is through whom all of creation has its being and is put into place. He's over it all, including the church. He directs us through his word and the work of the Holy Spirit. 
We even see in verse 19, it tells us that all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him. And this reminds me of another passage, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. These are some of the strongest words used to describe Jesus as part of the Trinity. He literally upholds the universe with his words. And you're, I'm worried about him following through for me. He's powerful. He's caring. He's present. He comes in crisis when the limit of human resource has been reached. Stop floundering. Stop worrying as you row against these contrary winds and realize that you aren't going to fare the storm on your own. Hand it over to the power of Jesus. When we invite the power of Jesus into our storm, we invite peace. The disciples, they are terrified when they first see Jesus walking across the waves toward them. And I think many of us react the same way because we aren't focusing on what's right in front of us, which is the Lord drawing near to us in helpfulness and in kindness. Once the disciples realize who it is and realize that it is Jesus, they invite him into their situation. They invite him into the boat and peace is brought to fruition. He can do the same for us. I mean, let's, <laughs> through the book of John, chapter 14, Jesus, he says, my peace I give you. He passes on his peace to the disciples. John chapter 16 Jesus says, in the world you're going to have tribulation, but in me you will have peace. John chapter 20, he greets the disciples, peace be with you. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 tells us that when we have faith in Jesus, we have peace with the Father. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that he himself is our peace. Even as his ambassadors to a broken world, Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the peacemakers. Are you sensing a pattern here? When we invite Jesus into our storm, we invite peace, and we see the example in our text today. As soon as he steps into the boat, the sea is calm. The storm is no longer present. The storm is no longer the worry. So how do we, how do we invite him into our storm? How do we focus on him? We look to where our hope is. Walking through tough times in the storms of life are a lot easier when we see who and what our destination is. We look to Jesus. This is somewhat close to the analogy of what Paul, explaining the athlete with his eye on the prize, our eyes should be on Jesus. One thing we must understand, though, is, is that the peace we speak of doesn't always mean that Jesus removes us from the tough situation. Many times he only gives us the inner peace, it's not always as cut and dried as it is in our text today. Colossians 3 calls us and tells us that we should let the peace of God dwell in us richly. We invite God into our lives. We invite him into our storm and let the peace that he has stay with us. As the word became flesh and dwelt among us, so we also must let his peace dwell in us and change our lives. We have to keep the similar mindset of that of David, Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I know many of us say this in speaking of our relationship with the Lord, that 
Jesus is, Jesus is with me. God is always with me. I'm never alone because he is here. Do not take that lightly. You have the attention of the all-powerful and all-knowing God. You have the power of the Almighty with you, he who overcame the world. The creator of the universe walks with you, talks with you, directs you. We sing songs about Jesus being stronger and how great God is, but do you really believe it? If you really believe that Jesus is stronger, greater, more powerful, then live like it. If you truly believe that he has overcome the world and beaten the grave, then live like it. So when you come upon these these hard times in life, when you encounter the storms and they come your way, you look to where your hope is and to the power of the Almighty. Colossians 3, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. All is not lost. You will not go down with the ship. Do not go on being afraid because you not only serve a God that is good, you serve a God that is great. He is powerful beyond our comprehension. He is our strength. He's our hope. The world knows something of the author Charlotte Bronte and her uh, famous book, Jane Eyre. Some of you might have read it. And what many don't know is that she also had a sister named Emily, Emily Bronte, who wrote the book Wuthering Heights. And this happened to be Emily's only piece of published work because she died within a year of, of it being finished and, and published. She was 30. And when her family opened her desk after she died, they didn't find any half-finished books or partial essays. They found one poem. They found one poem, and this is, this is what she wrote. No coward soul is mine. No trembler in the world's storm-troubled sphere. I see heaven's glories shine, and faith shines equal, arming me from fear. O God within my breast, almighty, ever-present deity, Life that in me has rest as I, undying life, have power in thee. What powerful words she used to describe our life when we have a faith in Jesus. The power of I am is with us. Let us live like it. God, thank you. Thank you for the word that we had today. Thank you when we encounter the storms of life that you will never leave us or forsake us and that your power and majesty, God, is capable of calming even the most turbulent of storms. Let us put our hope and look to you, God, when we encounter these things. We love you, God, and we praise you. In your name, amen.